Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Jeff Dahl, Senior Pastor of Stockbridge Community Church. I want to say thank you for joining us online. It is our prayer that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our Sunday services at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 12 p.m. If you'd like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply click the Give Online link at the upper right-hand corner in your web browser. And let me say it again, thank you so much for joining us today. It's so good to see you today. We're glad that you are here. And uh, as Pastor Kevin just said, we're talking about fighting for awesome marriages today. But I, I want to give this disclaimer before I go any further, and that is this. Is that every time we talk about marriage, I know that there's people among us that maybe has been through a divorce or you're single or whatever, and you're going to be tempted, to, number one, either to feel guilty or number two, say, this is not for me. I just want you to know this is messages for everybody. And so if you've been through a divorce, this is about, okay, we're starting forward in the future. It's not about going backwards. So let's just start, start with that mindset. All right. I had, I had a conversation this week that really sort of shocked me. I talked to a mother of a young child. Her child was probably about uh, two years old. And she made this statement to me. She says, you know, I feel so bad for my child because I don't believe that my child's future will be better than my future that I had when I was a child. In other words, she was saying, I think that uh, in the future, it's going to be worse for my child. She said, I hate to even see them grow up in the world in which we live because I think that our country will be worse in his, when he get, gets grown than it is now. And it's for the first time in American history that most young people feel that way, that the future is not bright. It's like there is not this hope anymore. And so as I thought about that, it, may, it took me back to marriage. Because you know that uh, history has proven that countries and, and societies that embrace marriage, that hold it in high regard, those countries and those societies, they soar. But for every country and every society and culture that demeans and devalues marriage, there's a decline. And I would say today, in our country today, that we have to examine this issue. Because in our country today, I think some of you will find it, is that in our country today, that marriage is dismissed as old fogey. It's, it's just like outdated is what a lot of people would say. In our country today, that marriage is being redefined. Marriage is also being discouraged and disrespected. And so there's like this war on marriage. And, and if you don't believe what I'm saying, you just watch television. Everything that, everything that television is, is anti-marriage. And so today we want to talk about these issues. Why? Because what we, what's been proven through history is that when you have strong marriages... You have strong families. And when you have strong families, you have strong communities. And when you have strong communities, you have a strong country. And so we want today to dive right back into what God has to say. And I want you to know that we can find out that God had it right. So we want to find out what's right. So on your outline, I have these words that are written here, this sentence. And it says this, God's idea for marriage is we are what? We're better together. We're better together. And so Hebrews 13 and 4 says this, marriage should be honored by everyone. God was saying that when marriage is held in high honor, I'm going to bless that community. I'm going to bless that church. I'm going to bless that country when marriage is held in high honor. 
So we have to get back to the blessing of God. Why? Because our children's future is at stake. We have to correct the wrong. And so we look back into God's Word and find that. So there's four reasons God created marriage today. I want to share them with you. Now, there's more than four, but there's, these are the primary ones that I want to share today. The first one is this. God created marriage for the connection of men and women. The connection. In 1 Corinthians 11, 11, the Bible says this, but remember that it is God's plan. It is God's plan. Men and women need each other. We need each other. You know what? If you're married today, you need your wife. You need your husband. And if you're not married and you're single today, you still need the, uh, you need, uh, the opposite sex in your life because they're going to help bring balance to you. We need that. That's why God gave you a mother or a father, is that you need that in your life. And as an adult, you need it as well. But Jesus picks this up. He picks it up in Mark's gospel, and Jesus talks about marriage. Look what he says. Jesus says in Mark 10, 6 and 9, he says, but God made, notice that, but God made them male and female from the beginning of creation. This, exa- this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into what? One. That, see, that's the spirit of marriage right there. It's oneness. It's not you and me. It's we. It's the spirit of oneness. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. So Jesus says three things in this passage about marriage. Listen to what he said. The first thing he says is marriage is God's plan. It's God's idea. The reason that we have marriage in the world today is not because, you know, someone thought it up. It was because God created in the beginning. Remember with Adam and Eve, God said it's not good for man to be alone, and he created a wife, Eve, for him. And it's that point that God introduced marriage. In Genesis, it wasn't, it wasn't in the New Testament. It was in the very beginning. Marriage is God's idea. The second thing I would say to you that Jesus said out of this passage, he says that marriage is between a man and a woman. A man and a woman. And any other relationship outside of that, there's other relationships, but it's not marriage. And so, let me just say this. When God created man and woman, He created us that our bodies would fit together for a purpose that we would enjoy one another and that we would recreate more children. God created us that way, that we would come together, and that that the only way that you would ever have intimacy face-to-face would be with man and woman coming together, and that great joy of them coming together, that wonderful expression of love, out of love, would birth children. Would birth children. We'll talk about that in just a second. And then the third thing that Jesus said here, he says that uh, marriage is to be permanent. Permanent. Now, again, we just said, you know, if you've been through a divorce, we're talking about the future right now. But God said this is to be permanent, that he, when you get married, God wants you to be together the rest of your life. That, his, that is his, his ideal, is that it be permanent. Now, you say, that's radical today. Yes, it is radical. Because a lot of people go into marriage today and say, well, you know what? If this don't work, then, you know, we got an escape plan. 
We'll just have our, you know, our little written statement out that says, you know what, uh, a prenuptial agreement, we'll just do that, and just in case it doesn't work. If you do that, you're already saying it's not going to work. God wants us to be together. You see, the problem today, which, it, well, I shouldn't say the problem, a cool thing, there's something cool that's happening and then not so cool, is that a lot of the weddings that I do anymore, People uh, write their own wedding vows, which is cool. That is good. That is so good. But the only problem is, is that many people leave God out of those vows. In other words, they say things like this, you know, you are so wonderful. You know, I just see that sparkle in your eye, and I want to be with you the rest of my life because that sparkle lights me up. Oh, that's so mushy. Oh, it's so sweet. It's so good. Well, I, what I've got to tell them is, is about six months down the road, that sparkle is going to disappear. Hello, that little twinkle in the eye. I mean, you know, they're going to wake up and have bad breath one morning. And go, Whoa, what happened to you, you know? Wake up with bed head. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And all of a sudden, that, that, that's gone. But if God is at the center of that, he never changes, you see? That's the difference. And in our culture today, you know, people treat marriage like it's a, it's a rental agreement or it's a lease contract that you sign only for a little while. In other words, instead of people saying, until death do us part, they say now, until our debts do us part. See that? So God wanted it to be permanent. God's idea for marriage is that we are better, how? Together. We're better together. Look at the second thing with me. The second reason that God created us was this, for the multiplication of the human race. So that we can multiply now, again, why did God create people? God created Adam and Eve because he wanted people that had a conscience, their own will, that could choose to love him back. Like, you can't, you know, when you make somebody hug you, like your boyfriend or girlfriend, your husband or wife or whatever, or your child, you say, now, you ain't leaving until you give me a hug. Well, they come up and hug you, okay, yeah, they had to do it. I mean, what else? They weren't going to get out of there without it. So they loved you, they hugged you, you know. Well, that wasn't real love. But when they come up on their own free will and they love you, that's when real love happens, right? I mean, that's when it's like great is when they choose to do it on their own. And God wanted children that would do that. He had angels that he could command to do it, but he wanted people with free will. And so when he, when he made Adam and Eve, he gave them a free will and they chose to love him back. And he said, okay, I want to have many children, so now I want you to go and I want you to reproduce and I want you to multiply that I can have many children. So God's plan for his marriage was that the human race would multiply through marriage. And God created sex, by the way. It wasn't Hollywood's idea. It was for intimacy and love. And, and out of, as I said earlier, out of that deep, passionate love for one another, that love would give birth, not a, not a hot moment. Not a one-night one stand would give birth. It's not God's idea that children be birthed out of a one-night stand. It's God's idea that children be birthed out of two people that are in love, that are married together in holy matrimony, that he's in the middle of, and that when they, they come together in love, that love would produce a child. That's God's idea. That's God's idea. Look what Malachi says. Malachi 2 and 15 God, not you, made marriage. His spirit inhabits even the smallest details of marriage. How about that? 
God is interested in your marriage. Did you hear that? He's interested. And if you're single here today, I want you to know that God's interested in marriage. So it's a very serious decision. And what does he want from marriage? Children of God. That's what. He wants us to reproduce. He wants to have more children. So guard the spirit of marriage within you. Don't cheat on your spouse. Isn't that, that's some pretty good words today, right? Matter of fact, I think we should take the, I think every couple that gets married should have to have this on their mirror every day to see that. Because God was, and this is what I'm saying. If you get married and you, you know, you get married and you say, we're just going to get married and you don't have God in the center of that, friend, you're at a disadvantage. It would be like this. If you're driving your car down the road, you have four tires and then all of a sudden you hear a big Boom! And your car starts limping on, the, on one side. And it's hard to steer because the front passenger's tire went out. You can continue to drive that car, but it's going to be very, very difficult. And more than likely than not, eventually it's going to run you in a ditch. Why? Because you have something that's missing. And I'm telling you, as far as marriage is concerned, if God is not in it, and you don't put God in the center, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage because it's His Holy Spirit that guides us as individuals and, and leads us in paths of righteousness and teaches us. So God needs to be in the center of that marriage. So before I go any further today, God cannot be in the center of a marriage if He's not in the center of your life. And that's why God sent His Son, Jesus, so that you wouldn't have to do this alone. You wouldn't have to walk this journey alone. And so today, if you do not know Christ as your Lord and Savior, that means if you're not a Christ follower, maybe you, you believe in Jesus and God, but you're not a Christ follower, I want to encourage you today to simply pray the prayer. There's a prayer on your program. We call it the prayer to become a Christ follower. It's on your program. Every week someone reads this prayer and they mean it in their heart. And they, they, the way they express it is that they check it on this connection card. I want to ask you to check it on this connection card. If you make that decision today, that you would check it on the connection card. Okay. The third thing is this. God's idea for marriage is we are what? Better together. I'm sorry, I misled you. You were looking for point number three fill-in, wasn't you? Here it is. For the protection of children. Is why God created marriage. For the protection of children. I want you to know that you came into this world completely helpless. Every one of you. When you were born, you could do nothing for yourself. Just think about it. You couldn't even roll over. The only thing you could do is, you know, that's it. That's all you could do. You were helpless. You couldn't do anything. You couldn't, you couldn't feed yourself. You couldn't blow your own nose. That's why your mother chased you with one of those big balls with a long point on it. And, oh, yes, okay, never mind. That you, couldn't, you couldn't clean yourself. You know, you poop on yourself. You, it was up to somebody else to come and take care of that. I mean, you were totally helpless. You couldn't do anything. You needed someone to care for you, to nurture you, to protect you, to guide you. You needed someone. And children still need someone to do that. They need that. 
They're not created to just, okay, you're born and you got it, take them. No, they need guidance. I come across this study of actually a combination of 150 studies have proven what I'm about to share with you just a moment here. This study, the studies that I'm about to share with you have proven this. Studies have shown that if children grow up without two parents, without a mom and a dad, there's increased risk. Kids without two parents are more likely to be involved in substance or alcohol abuse. They are more likely to experience distress, depression, and the risk of suicide. They are more likely to do jail time. They are more likely to live their entire lives in poverty. And they are more likely to increase the risk that they themselves will divorce and bear children outside of marriage. But on the other side of that, on the other hand, children who live with their own two parents growing up, statistically proven, will enjoy better physical health than children living in any other family form. I didn't say that. 150 surveys have proven this over and over again. And, to, and listen, again, if you're a single parent here, you say, what do I do? I'll tell you what you do. You get your child around as many godly people as possible. As many as possible. And you put them in that environment as often as you can. That's why church is so important, so that your family can have community and help you have influences around your children that will be right. Because every other influence outside of God and outside of Christianity is an influence not for God. And so that's why it's so important. Church is important. Your church family is important. Now, let's look at the benefits for women. It says this. Studies have shown that women who marry and stay married have lower stress rates, uh, lower stress rates and lower uh, depression than single women or mothers cohabitating with a guy that's not married to them. Women who marry and stay married have a lower risk of being a victim of a crime, have a lower risk of violence in their life. Women who marry and stay married have a higher net worth than those who are living with a man they're not married to. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? How about the men? This is what it says. These studies have proven this. Studies have shown that men who marry and stay married earn more money than single men with similar education and job history. And men who marry and stay married live together longer than single or live longer than single men. Men who marry and stay married amass more net worth than those who live with a woman not being married to them. A man who marries and stays married has fewer injuries or illnesses. Men, you want to live longer? You better love that woman. That's right. You want to be well. What does all this say? It says this. When you do it God's way, it works better for you. That's what, it's, that's what all these studies have proven, that this book is true. Every study has proven that God's way works best, and God's not trying to be a killjoy. God is trying to help you to have a better life, and it comes through Christ. Look what the Bible says in Proverbs 14 and 26. Reverence for God gives a man deep strength. Now notice this promise. Would you read it with me, what's underlined? You ready? Here we go. His children have a place of refuge and security. Isn't that amazing? When God is at the center of the home, and that's what Ron and I have discovered, is that if God is at the center, if God is here and we are here, the closer that she and I go to God, the closer that we get together as a couple. 
You see, when God's at the center, our children sense that, that, that they can come to us because they know that, that our refuge is in God and that we have strength that is, that is not normal. It's supernatural. It's our wisdom that comes from God. That's what they know. You know, there used to be a day, I've been, a, I've been the pastor here for 20 years, and I can remember a long time ago when people would come to me and, you know, they had marital problems and, and, and we would talk. I can remember the day when, when that couple would say, you know what, we're not getting along at all, but we're going to stay together for the kids. And that was an honorable thing to do. It was honorable to say, hey, we're not just going to think about us. We're thinking about the kids. It's better for them. But now, today, it's totally changed. I mean, people come in now and say, well, you know what? I'm sorry. I know we got two little kids, and, and I hate it for them, but I'm not staying here. I'm mad at them, and I'm getting out of here. We're done. We've lost something in our culture. Kids matter. It's going to cause distress on your little children if you just hijack out of there. You need to think about that. Okay, God's idea for marriage is that we are what? We're better together. That's right. So the fourth thing is this. God created marriage for the building of our character. The building of our character. I want to share this with you. I know something about every one of you. <clears throat> you were born selfish. You come into this world very, very selfish. At two years old, you were saying, mine, 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 and everything everybody else had. Mine, mine, mine. You did that. I know your mother told you you was an angel, but you weren't. It's mine, mine, mine. We come in with that nature. And here's what I want you to know, is that we were born very selfish. And the goal of life and marriage helps us to learn to become unselfish. The problem is, is that we got a lot of 30-year-olds and, and 40-year-olds and 50-year-olds still acting like they're two-year-olds. Mine, 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 mine. And if you're constantly saying mine all the time, then you're going to have a very difficult time in life, especially in a marriage relationship. You know, this, this sort of gets me sometimes. I meet people sometimes who got these issues, and they come to me and they want to get married, and they got all these issues. And I'm like, hey, listen, we need to think about this before we say I do. So why don't we get you some help? Why don't you, you know, why don't you go to counseling for a couple of weeks and get this worked out, and then let's talk about your marriage. They're like, no, no, no. They say, no, we'll be all right once we get married. Like marriage is, marriage is going to solve their problem. I want to tell you, marriage doesn't solve any problems. Then there's these other people that come to me after they got married and said, you know what? I didn't have this problem until I got married. Like marriage caused their problem. I want you to know marriage doesn't solve problems and marriage doesn't cause problems. You ready for this? Marriage reveals your problems. Ooh, did you hear that? You know, you know, it's, I'm selfish. That's my problem. When there's trouble going on, somebody's being selfish. Somebody's willing not to, not to give in. If marriage says, this is who I am, and when you get married and you start sharing life with other people, then you've got, you've got to give up some of your rights. You've got to give instead of take all the time. And when that happens, then it reveals who you really are because you don't want to serve. 
It's amazing to me. I've done hundreds of weddings, and I've seen people come down the aisle, and we've done the little vows, you know. Do, do you take so-and-so to be your wife? Will you love them, honor them, and keep them? Yes, I will. Yes, I do. But they don't hear what they're saying. They're saying, I will honor. I will serve. I will, I will give. They're saying, I will. But what they're really saying, if their mind is translating it this way, you will serve me. You will honor me. You will keep me. You will be with me forever. You see what I'm talking about? It's the me syndrome. And it just doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work. The Bible says in Proverbs 18 and 1, it is selfish and stupid to think only of yourself. Selfish and stupid. Can I let you on a little secret? People don't change. Did you hear that? People don't change. But people can choose to grow. Did you, do you understand that? Naturally, you don't change at all. You know what? No, whatever environment we put you in, you will not change. The only thing that will happen if you choose to be different will be because you choose to grow. Rhonda and I were talking about it uh, last week. We were uh, just sitting around talking about a situation, a, a marriage situation that was going on. And, and we thought about it. You know, we've been through a lot of storms in our lives. There's been a lot of difficulties. There's been times where we both just sort of shook our heads like, man, I just don't know. But every time one of those things happen, one of us choose to grow, choose, chose to grow. We chose that we would grow. And so we, that means that, okay, I can't keep demanding this anymore. I've got to let it go, and I've got to get bigger than this. I can't keep having my same little wah, wah, wah session. I have to get over it. And move on. See, people don't change, they choose to grow. And one of the ways you choose to grow is you become unselfish. You quit demanding your rights. You know, my grandmother said this to, to Rhonda and I before we got married. She says, Jeff, if you and Rhonda will go together and come together, you'll stay together. There was a lot of truth in that. You know, this thing about, I'll go my way, you go your way, and then somehow we'll just have this magical marriage that'll work. It doesn't work! If you're going your way all the time, and she's going her way, then it doesn't work, friend. You've got to be together for intimacy to happen. You have to be together. And it means being unselfish. That means that, you know, I can't go play golf, or I can't go hang out with my buddies. Why? Because I need to be with my wife. How, how do you expect to have all these wonderful, loving feelings when you're never together? Then it becomes conversations. You're never at home. You never do this. You never do that. Okay, I know I'm telling you more than I want, you want to know today, right? I can just see it on your face. You're like, oh, man, let up a little bit. Marriage is, marriage is a long, lifelong course of learning to be unselfish. You see what happens when we get married? Marriage turns me, marriage does this. Marriage turns from me to we. Me to we. No longer is it what I want, it's what do we want. And a lot of people say, Jeff, you better go check with your wife because there's times that, you know, someone will say, hey, can you go this Friday and play golf? That's my day off. Can you go Friday and, and play golf? And I say, hey, well, let me get back to you. What's wrong? You got to check with Rhonda, you little, you little sissy boy? But I've been married 28 years. Hello? So, friend, listen, let me tell you, you can say whatever you want to say about me, but you doggone right, I'm going to check with her. Because that's how you stay together. Oh, I could demand my right to say, you know what? I don't care what you say, woman. I'm going. 
Diavio. You don't have what, what, what an idiot that does that. Think I'm going to show my, my manliness by demanding that I'm going to do this. That's crazy. But you know what? When I just communicate and say, hey, do you have anything going on? No, I don't have anything going on. Well, do you mind? I'm thinking about going to do this. Are you okay with that or you, you, you think we need to do something else? I'm okay with that. And she does the same with me. That's called communication. And you know what? When you communicate a lot, you don't get a lot of no's. Did you hear that? When you let people in the know, you don't get a lot of no's. The reason that most of you, when you go talk to your husband or wife, the reason it's always no is because you never talk to them about anything else, so they think that you got something behind your back. Oh, Jesus, did he say that? You're trying to slip something in on them. Okay, never mind. I know, I, I know all you looking at me like, I, what are you talking about, man? I don't know what you're talking about. I know you're liars. <laughs> I know that. You see, the purpose of marriage, the purpose of marriage is not to make you happy. The purpose of marriage is to make you holy. That means like God. You know, God, remember he sent his only son to die for us. He gave, he gave, he served. Jesus said, I've come to serve, not to be served. And if you're going to be holy, you say, I'll get in this marriage to serve my wife, to serve my husband, to serve my kids. I'm here to serve. Become holy like God. And here's what happens. Holiness, when you become, strive to be holy like God, you get happiness as a byproduct. See, too many people are trying to be happy and they're trying to leave holiness out and it never works. When you serve, you serve God. Okay, look at our memory verse. Romans 12 and 10 says this. Love each other with a genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Honoring each other. I want you to do this. If you don't do anything else this week, I want you to make a decision that you're going to honor someone. I put that as the next step on your connection card. Why don't you check that box and say, I'll honor someone this week. If you're married, why not start there with your spouse? Or maybe with your parents. Or maybe with a close friend. But honor someone this week. Before I got married, I thought what I knew what love was all about. I thought, you know what? I'm going to break home the bacon. She can fry it up in the pan and she'll never forget I'm her man. Did you believe that too? <laughs> you know what love is? After 28 years of marriage, I can tell you what love looks like. Love does the dishes. Love vacuums the floor. Love takes care of the children. You know what love? Love cleans up the throw up. That's what real love looks like. It's not all this stuff, Hollywood, you know, this one night stand, this hottie. Let me tell you something, man. You start helping out around the house, you'll become real hot. Rhonda told me I look like a real sexy man with a broom in my hand. She's like, be still, let me look at you right here. I'm getting, I'm feeling, she's like, I'm feeling it right now. Oh, hold on. Oh, when I got my hands in dishwater, friend, she comes over there. Boy, you looking good. You looking good. Okay, I'm starting to sweat right now. <laughs> See, there's secrets that the world's not telling you. The world just isn't telling you everything. So I'm trying to let you in on the secrets of real life. How do you keep it going for all these years? That's how you keep it going. You know it floats their boat. Let me give you a couple of suggestions. You might want to write these down real quickly. 
I would say this, the first suggestion I would give to you if you want to help your marriage sustain is, and that is turn it off. Would you write that down? Turn it off. Figure out a time in the evening that you're going to turn work off. You're going to turn your cell phone off. You're going to turn Facebook off. You're going to turn it off. Because you've got to be together. You can be in the same room and still not be together. Turn it off. Pick a day. Pick a time in the evening. What time is it going to be? Turn it off. And then turn it, pick one day a week that you're going to turn it off. You need one day a week to away from your phone. Uh, you know, people say, we're just not intimate. We don't feel it anymore. Well, it's pretty hard to be intimate when your little ringer's going off every time you try to have a conversation. Turn it off. One time a year, vacation. Turn it off for a week. Turn it off. If you want to be turned on, you got to turn that off. Hello? If you want to turn her on, you got to turn that off. I guarantee you, you get this little flare in the night. You see this person, and all of a sudden they catch your eye. And all of a sudden this little attraction comes, and you're married, and you shouldn't be looking outside your marriage. I guarantee you, if you thought about talking to that person, you'd turn it off. Why not do this? Why not have an affair in your own home with your own spouse? Why not turn it off and say, hey, baby, I've got time for you. Why not smooth talk him or her a little while? Why not fire it up? Oh, man. Date your mate. That's the second thing. If there was more courting in marriage, there'd be less marriages in court. Hmm. Say thank you, and I love you is the third thing. Why would you go to sleep at night without doing that? The more you're appreciating, the less you have time to hate. It's hard to be grateful and hateful at the same time. If you constantly tell them how much you love them and how much you appreciate them, I guarantee you fire will be flowing in your home. You know, most men don't want to come home from work. Here's why. Is because at work they get praised all the time. Man, you're so good at that. You're so good at that. So they get so built up. And when they get home, if they get demeaned all the time, they don't want to come home. So ladies, why don't you amp that up? Guys, why don't you amp that up with her? The last thing I'll say is this. Decide right now that divorce is not an option. Just decide it. Rhonda and I got married. We made a decision that divorce would not be an option. And let me just tell you something. There's been many times in our marriage that uh, we've had troubles, a lot of troubles. But I want you to know this, that we made that decision, that divorce is not an option. We may have to do counseling. We may have to do whatever, but divorce is not the option. And there's been times. We've never said it. we never looked at each other. We've had heated arguments, and we, we just didn't know. I mean, there's times like where we just didn't know if we were going to make it. But we never looked at each other and said, we need a divorce. I don't want a divorce. I don't love you. We never said those things. We may have felt them. We may have thought them. But we never said it. Why? Because once you say it, it gets recorded in your spouse's mind, and they think it's an option, and they think you're looking. Don't do it. Would you stand with me now? You look like you can't take anymore, so I better pray. <clears throat> Where's that hot woman at? She's coming out here. Not yet. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know if it's getting better or not. Here she comes, right here. Come on up here, please. <laughs> I was born at night, but it wasn't last night. Look at, you look at us, some of you look at us, and you think, man, those are perfect people. No, we're not. No. But we're learning. We're learning. 
And if you're going to stay in marriage, you have to keep growing, friends. You have to keep growing. So today I want to pray with you that God will bless your home. Would you just bow your heads? Father, right now in the name of your son Jesus, I pray that you would bless these wonderful people of Stockbridge Community Church. And Jesus, that just as Rhonda and I have been together, Lord, it's been you that's been the center of that. You've been the cornerstone of our marriage. That's the only way that we made it. Is that both of us have been focused on you. And somehow through every storm and every trial, you brought us together, oh God. And we just say thank you. And Lord, I offer that to this congregation today. That they would make you the cornerstone. And that you, Lord, would help them through the difficulties. And that they would build on you. And you will get them through. I pray for every marriage in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you again so much for joining us online at SCC. I would love to know that you're out there listening and be able to connect with you. If you would, email me at jeffdaws at sccview.net. The spelling of my name is J-E-F-F-D-A-W-S. I pray you have a blessed week and join us again soon.